Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Interviews, brought to you by Cup of Hemlock Theater. I am your co-artistic producer, Mackenzie, and I'm very excited today to be doing a very special interview session. I'm going back to my theater roots, the place where my theater journey began at age 10, with the incredible Arkady Spivak, who is now the CEO and producer of Talk is Free. At the time, I knew him as the artistic producer, hence where I got our titles from. And then we're also joined by the new artistic director of Talk is Free, Mr. Michael Toronto, who I've had the privilege of working alongside when he did a fantastic tour as Harold Hill in the site-specific roaming production of The Music Man with Talk is Free. So we go way back. And... Today, we're going to be discussing Talk is Free, some of the new changes that are coming up in this renowned Canadian theatre company, this cornerstone, dare I say, of the Canadian theatre world, as it were. So before we get going, though, I'm going to introduce my two lovely guests. Arcadi, as CEO and producer, I'll let you start. How are you? What is in your cup, dear? And... Give us the story of man who started sweeping McDonald's parking lots to now becoming CEO and producer of a theater company. What is that? I'm still, but I'm still sweeping the parking lots. When I, know. when I walk by and the job needs to be done. Hello. Well, thank you for having us. It's it's kind of all the parts of one's life colliding together. It's always marvelous and fascinating and things like that. What would you like me to say? You'd like me to tell you what's in my cup? Yes. First of all, tell us what's in your cup and then give us your amazing life story that's so in the cup i have Mm -hmm. a russian drink which i buy at the yummy market which i they don't need any extra advertising but i really would like to provide it it's basically called kvas k-v-a-s which which is a noun for fermentation so it's an old old word that doesn't usually get used basically it's a fermented yeast drink it's kind of you know before it turns from root beer into beer it's non-alcoholic kids can drink it Mm -hmm. unless of course it sits in your fridge for three years then it becomes alcoholic and that kind of stuff it's really you know it from my childhood where there was no pop i mean you could buy pepsi there was a lot of pepsi never coke coke came in like late night 80s or whatever mm-hmm. russians kind of made their own versions they just basically pirated the recipe and created their own and put a different label but this thing is like an authentic you kind of did it in barrels and i adore it just because you know michael and i talked about it you drink and eat your childhood that's really what mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. but i have not found i work with gigantically gifted eclectic people I've yet to find a non-Russian person that will accept that, let alone like it. And I use it as punishment for like not giving me gossip on time or being late for rehearsal or doing some other thing. It's like one liter of quas or this is half a liter, you know, <laughs> different punishment scale. <laughs> and I always have it in the fridge because I like it. So it's amazing. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So now, so now give us the story. How did you come to found Talk is Free? How did you then? grow the company because really this is a really unique story in the Canadian theater world. Just how you kind of came to a town, started a theater company, kind of like Harold Hill with his band. And then you kind of just grew the company. I mean, what are we now up to? We're over 20 seasons now, aren't we? We're finishing. We just finished the 20th season with Michael. I forgot to remind you. You just closed the 20th season last week. You know, like I think it, it, (laughs) 
well, I feel more like Mrs. Peru than Harold Hill, but what was I going to say? It's, you know, it's one always wants to, much as I love all sorts of creative positions, although I grew out of patience with an artistic process, as we jokingly refer to, but it's totally true. You know, but ultimately I realized that it, for and a number of other reasons is I sort of, you know, don't like kind of talking about something and not doing it. I, I think people sort of should talk with their actions a lot more, either write it in a complaint book or if you're going to talk about it, is to actually fix it. So, you know, when I had a bunch of, at that time, people who wanted to be in theater as friends, actors, etc., co-founders of the theater, we, of all of whom you remember, Mackenzie, mm-hmm. Mike Najewski, Randy Johnson, Alice Forbes, some of them, I was going to say some of them no longer living. Some of them are no longer in the profession. You know, you sort of go, what does one need? One needs a theater company. And then the purpose kind of grows out of there. And I always kind of enjoyed doing something that you sort of directly influence. Not that one can follow orders necessarily, but you had basically it's, I could not afford not, it's not like, should I start a theater company or not? I kind of felt I could not afford not to. So here we are. Without sounding presumptuous, I think I think a lot of it had to do with, and it's still really much the case, it's how the artists themselves is kind of put behind everything else in theater. And I kind of wanted to find a com- found a company that celebrated it. And that's probably the only thing to which we remain true and also, but it's a big one. So yay. So that's, so that's that. I love that. I love that. And now over to you, Michael. What is in your cup today? And tell us a bit about yourself. How have you come from being an actor and performing and now to ultimately becoming the the artistic director? I mean, we'll dive deeper into it. We want to give us the brief overview of your life up till now. We'll happily listen to that. Sure. Well, for starters, this little quaff happens to be a tea spritzer inspired by one of the main the major tea chains they i don't know if they still do but they would sell a tea spritzer and i thought was a tea spritzer they just brew their loose leaf tea strongly and then you can use whatever flavor you want and then you add soda to it and so am i allowed to mention brand names on this of course okay so it was david's tea and i I have a soda stream i like i don't really ever buy any Mm -hmm. kind of or anything just like because I feel it's better for the environment and uh, anyway so I just it's strong raspberry lemonade flavored loose leaf tea that's got a bunch of soda in it and it's delicious love it love it uh-huh. I'm gonna try that now a tea spritzer yeah. I've never had one of well, those before that sounds just, like a I summer mean, drink not that I'm all like fancy but sometimes I like to be fancy and exactly I, mean, I, don't, I don't drink alcohol so I just yep. figured like and I like to have some but sometimes you want a special drink so instead mm-hmm. of having that's so I like a tea spritzer and Love it's, that. it's like healthy and it's mm-hmm. tastier than just normal water. And that's, yes. that's, that's brilliant. Um, so anyway, who am I? I uh, <laughs> who am I? I am originally from Ottawa and mm-hmm. I moved after a while. Once I discovered that I wanted to do this whole theater thing for a living, I moved to Toronto. I found myself really quickly in a massive show. I was in the U.S. National Tour of Mamma Mia as my first professional gig. Wow. And then to keep it a brief story for the next, I've been an actor now for over 20 years professionally, mm-hmm. having crisscrossed the Canada, toured the United States. I've performed in Australia and in the U.K., 
Uh, largely thank you to Saugus Free Theater for the productions that we've toured there. And then I started directing productions. So I was the director of Into the Woods with Saugus Free yes. Theater a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then through some of the successes with that, and I think my own achievements, I showed Arcadi. I also have an artistic education in arts administration. Oh. And even though I will say that it wasn't being, taking on the role of artistic director was not, it was not something that I was actively pursuing at the time, mm-hmm. but... Through my work with Talk is Free Theater and discussions with Arcadi, Arcadi, I guess, decided that the size and scope of what the company was sort of taking on could have, the company could really benefit from having somebody else, an additional person in a leadership role. And and I was apparently the right person for the job. And so (laughs) now I'm here. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Perfect. And I will say for me, I am drinking some just some nice summer lemonade with some ice you know just to kind of you know get some nice spritzy summery flavor there so that's what you do right exactly i mean the winter i do tea in the summers i do a lemonade it's perfect Mm -hmm. so let's dive in and actually we're gonna actually basically piggyback off what michael just spoke about so Mm -hmm. we're gonna go back to our caddy with our caddy so obviously the company was growing even during covid somehow you managed to unlike other companies, continue to plow forward. So what made you feel that it was that, that it was the right time for Talk is Free to make a change, both for you and then also for a company as a whole? Do you feel that you've accomplished all the shows that you desire to program like over the years? Like, did you ever have like a bucket list of like, I really want to do Candide. I want to do Sunday in the Park. I want to do U-Turn Somersault. Like, did you have a big long list that you've now kind of crossed most of them off and kind of gone, okay, a new presence is needed. A, a, a new a new mind is needed to kind of generate new stuff or where did you kind of stand on all that well that's uh, that's i think it partially you answered your own question you know <laughs> mind you and michael and i talk about it a lot i have this dislike or mistrust of the word grow not that it's you know when you talk about it as evolution advancement transformation or you know taking on crazy projects the truth of the matter is is you know our budget as you quite rightly said doubled in the pandemic literally at the same time we can go back and run a $500,000 budget which is probably a quarter of what it is now pretty easily without sacrificing anything and exist quite happily at that level and get you know be much more relaxed about it Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, I think what we're talking about is, is enhancing our capacity. And if there is a growth, it's not it, in and of itself, it's not an achievement, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, oh, you know, we grew by adding three shows. Who cares? Like, yeah. but I wanted to add six. So three is actually half of what you, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or when people start mm-hmm. boasting about an audience number, you know, we increased our audience by 5,000. Well, if you do cats then you actually should be increasing it by 10,000. So you actually <laughs> decreased your audience. You know, so yeah. we all love to spin. We all love to frame and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And, and when you talk about growth, it's an immediate target of seeing how proud we are about something mm-hmm. or other, which really, truly means not very much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not to say that we don't like big, bold projects. But in terms of our thinking, I think with all projects, we're still a small, pokey firm. And they mm-hmm. behave like that. And I think that's what I'm, excited about you don't need to add 17 staff members to you know we're kind mm-hmm. of all one phone call away to everybody and that sort of thing so right. anyway what were your next questions the next question was do you feel that you have accomplished all the shows you desire to program or is there still more on your bucket list of shows you want to do like i've always said you need to do oklahoma on the moon next i mean that's the only logical 
next step after taking an audience across the ocean for Sweeney Todd. I mean, Oklahoma on the Moon seems to be the next logical programming spot for you. Yeah, but dancing in the gravity. I'm not a dancer, but right off. You know, funny you should mention, I, I, you know, all the shows and that sort of thing, you know, I actually, I just realized it just sort of, not that I didn't know about it, but I actually articulated to myself that really producing shows, it's not really <laughs> my job. Right. It's really producing people. Yes. You know, so that if I have, you know, seven, eight, 10, 12, 20. Mm-hmm. You know, of people that I'm one is passionate about, then I'm like, oh, that person should do this or this person. Yes, you have shows that you admire, obviously. Mm-hmm. You have things that are very much in your, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. But I quite happily produce things I questioned in the past, mm-hmm. uh, not to point fingers or mention names, you know, mm-hmm. because they were <laughs> right material for the right person at that yeah. time. Right. And that as a complete package made a lot of sense. Also, because Michael has relatively recently, less than a year ago, joined the organization, we're now going to be going through like resetting and relooking at our core mm-hmm. values so that it, so that he gets to become a soul of the organization, if you will, mm-hmm. as an artistic director does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I read for over something that I read in 2008 and never really revisited till very recently, the core values. And in it, it said something like, I should have memorized it, that we agree that the artists we're working with are by far more interesting material and more important, not interesting, more important material than the actual plays they're ever producing. Mm. Yeah. Not to say I'm not slandering playwrights like Mm -hmm. Shakespeare is still Shakespeare, but by the same token, you know, it's such an unfortunate thing that Romeo and Juliet was written by genius. Because if you really look at those people, they're stupid as like, like I would yeah. not hire McDonald's, you know? Yeah. One thinks that the other one died, but didn't die, so they take their own life. I mean, this is the level of the mental capacity that brought the world to their knees when they, <laughs> you know? And of course, you know, young love that yeah. nobody really knew what it was all about, you know, mm-hmm. those kind mm-hmm. of things. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, so I'm asking gifted people <laughs> to produce this dedicated lapse in logic mm-hmm. and then sacrifice everything that they have towards it. Right. You know, who is more important, you know? Yeah. Like an artistic director, we can get to it, uh, our artistic director who's sitting in front of us. Yes. You know, it's incredibly nice to believe in magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> by, by doing that, you really have to support magicians. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, think that's, I think that's a really great point you bring up that the artist is the one that really kind of can really drive the show like it's great you can program Sweeney Todd but really it's Michael and Michael's amazing performance as Sweeney that'll make that programming that much more memorable well I think oh you're doing Sweeney Todd this year good for you yeah I think I think that's exactly how that programming happened not to Mm -hmm. not to but I'd be kind of we were sort of open about it is that I specifically Anyway, we're not going to get into that particular, but that's exactly how that show happened is because I Mm -hmm. felt that this completely unexplored, extremely gifted and more Mm -hmm. a genius, really, person Mm -hmm. needed something that he hasn't done before. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, Sweeney Todd's a total 180 from Harold Hill or from, oh, but I'm blanking on the name. The one you just did, Michael. Everything is, every every brilliant brilliant little thing. Yeah. Every brilliant thing. Every yes. brilliant thing. 
Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, so again, this is a prime example. The show mm-hmm. had stirred, you know, when we did it as a three-day shenanigan with, yeah. uh, as part of the Curious Voyage. Mm-hmm. And then now in Toronto, everybody's like, this is the best production of Sweeney Todd. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. if you know who it is for, then you can also produce it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, next question to you, Arcadi, as well is, what made Michael your choice to succeed you in the artistic leadership of Talk is Free? Well, it's not really my choice because there's a board of directors that also have some sort of say. And of it's the organization's choice, really. Right. You know, although any smart leader should actually know who should be coming mm-hmm. behind them. And mm-hmm. in fact, and in fact, that's really the key, you know, because I can chaperone them every day. That's no problem. But what will happen to the organization five years from now is really what the management is all about. Right. And, you know, and TIFT, admittedly, which is a both good and a bad thing, is a mm-hmm. very unique organization that does what it does well, extremely well. Mm-hmm. And it's really underdeveloped in some areas that it's, <laughs> it's not even allowed to be called theater in some cases, you know, it's just like, it's just, some of it is like, I can't believe I'm just people absolutely seriously. We're not going to get into a full assessment of it. Right. But, you know, so, so, you know, I, uh, and looking at it, you kind of go, there's got to be a person inside the organization. Cause if it's so specific, if it's so unique, it needs to be somebody who actually mm-hmm. had been on the front line more so than I was. I'm just mm-hmm. like, you do that, see you in four weeks, and I hide for cover. Right. So, and also a conventional theater thing is to have a director follow, mm-hmm. but those two are completely different professions. And mm-hmm. so, before Michael even became a, <laughs> a very successful director with one and a half shows, mm-hmm. just to spite me, I'm like, I don't want a director to lead a theater. I want an actor that it's all about to run the theater. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, becomes a director just to be me, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, you know, I, again, it's a very unusual organization and I don't, I, it's not good or bad. It's unusual. Mm-hmm. So you kind of a unique, shall we say. So you need a, a unique person to run it mm-hmm. who is sort of, you know, <laughs> a closeted humanitarian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, Love huh? <laughs> I'm closeted humanitarian. Believe it or not, there is still another anyway. So that, you know, he's a man of gigantic talent, unlike anybody else. And, you know, you sort of say, you will do this expertly. And he comes back and does it twice as good. Like, I believe in a lot of people, but he still outdoes even, I don't know how. And, you know, if there are people with Midas touch, he's like with the Midas look. He doesn't actually, he just gives you a look and you know exactly what needs to happen. I love that. The Midas look. Midas look. Yeah, very gifted colleague that mm-hmm. is probably yeah an endless joy to to see what how he does it anyway all sorts of things you know exactly well I mean we're gonna get into Michael now and this adventure he's now on because Michael as you said in your opening there you've been a performer you've now directed shows and now you're going kind of almost back to your roots of theater administration so how does it feel for you I mean after doing two shows back to back to now be transitioning more behind the table, do you ever see, foresee yourself going back onto the stage again to keep performing? Or is this kind of not really, you kind of saying, I'm closing the door on one part of me and I'm really kind of going to really deep dive into this new area, this new pond that I haven't really had a chance to dive into yet. I will say in your, just to sort of jump on, not pounce on, but jump on your description, I will say that there is no door 
too mm. close for sure. I would, I absolutely have zero desire to leave performing behind what the zero, 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 because I think one of the beauty of the uniqueness of this arrangement, can we call mm -hmm. it that, or the situation is that I will have the freedom to, like, I'm not going to sit here and think, okay, well, what show am I going to do tomorrow? And then what am I going to do after that? And how am I going to star in this next show? Like, I mean, hey, there might be a little bit of that. Like, you know, I might yeah. have the opportunity to, as Arcadi says, like, have the company be a little bit of a toy in that respect. But really, mm -hmm. for the most part, I do see myself, I'm grateful to be here because having been, having been a, at least a cast member at the, of, with Talks Free Theater since 2014, mm -hmm. And having done several shows and seeing things on the inside and and seeing the, the great side of everything the company has to offer to as an artist and as the, and what it puts out to the world, but also <laughs> seeing the, the room for improvement. Yeah. And that is what I'm looking forward to being able to do is, and I, we may get into this in a different way later, but it's just mm -hmm. that I feel like I, I am to be an artistic director in a little bit of a non-traditional way mm -hmm. that we one might understand the artistic director of a theater company to be. Mm -hmm. And it's just like Arcadi had sort of touched on earlier about he wants to, he thinks less about producing theater as he does about producing people. Mm -hmm. Then I'm stepping in to produce the theater. Right. <laughs> I'm actually being the producer. It's just to say that like being on the inside, having a much more, being much more in tune with what it is that the artists will need within a production, mm -hmm. whereas Arcadi does a fantastic job of also looking at looking after what artists need outside of a production, and yeah. or like certain to degree of what they look after when they're involved in a production. And I'm going to be there to also enforce and say, okay, but I think that we could also use mm -hmm. a bigger platform. Just not that, like just whatever. Right. I, I can. Yeah, thing to say, yeah. but it's just looking after, really looking after the artistic side of making the art of what love uh, that. What that we're doing. And I don't know if I'm going to uh, get ahead of ourselves when I say this. It's just that when it comes to really curating or deciding what it is that this company will do in the future, mm -hmm. as far as the programming goes, is that part of looking after the artist is also mm -hmm. making sure, especially where we are in 2022. Mm -hmm. Is, is looking after what the artists want to say. And so the way that we work at Talk is Free Theatre mm -hmm. with our artist big program and, and letting a large group of artists of very diverse backgrounds mm -hmm. contribute to what it, it is that we do, mm -hmm. whether it's creating the things for themselves, mm -hmm. saying what it is, the stories that they want to tell. And so, I mean, I, I have a bookshelf with plays and things and some of them I definitely want to do, but I would rather listen to what it is that people are telling me that they'd like us to do than it is mm -hmm. to say like i feel like doing this play right. you, you know right gotcha but at the same time if i may it's not mm -hmm. as if an artist get to say i want to do that it's they're co-involved in the curated cu curatorial mm -hmm. process but it's still michael's vision right he's mm -hmm. still gonna yes. say we will yeah. not do this play because this is the silliest and the smallest idea ever possible or yeah. why would what who why would we do this right now tell me mm -hmm. that, that's right Mm -hmm. So yeah. they're they have an authority in what gets or co-authority. They don't have a mm -hmm. final control and that sort of thing. Yeah. So and because the reason why I jumped in here because I was always criticized of just like as like doing what people like. I never said they do what they want. Is I probe them more deeply than Judge Yuri does that they actually want to do it, and I do counter suggestions and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. and then we create something that whatever. It's mm -hmm. not to say hi. I'd like to do that. I'm like no, <laughs> or yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. 
I love yeah. that give and take. And I love just being able to push artists to think bigger and take their message they want to say and really kind of shape it and just go, yes, this is a good idea, but let's balloon it. Let's try and find either a better vehicle or a stronger way of interpreting that message and giving it and giving you all a stage to do that. I think that's a really well succinct way of showing like what where this is going to go. And I'm excited. And Michael, you kind of alluded to the answer to this, but I mean, we can dive deeper into this if you have more to say, but it's how do you feel you and Arcadi are alike or different in your artistic visions for Talk is Free? Is there much of a difference or are you kind of both simpatico in a lot of ways? Or do you think there's a little bit of a different view? Because you kind of talked about how you're, you you come in more from the artist, like inside the artist out, Arcadi's more outside in. Mm-hmm. So... Not sure you have any more to elaborate on that or... Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that what we share a lot, Mm -hmm. or at least it sort of started out as Arcadi's vision for the company Mm -hmm. and and what a lot of people like about working for Talk is Free Theatre is that it's uh, the types of of productions that are chosen to do. And it's very rare. Like, it's very rare that you're never going to see, as you know, especially with Music Man, that... There's yeah. never a time that Talk is Free Theater is going to do Music Man and put it on the conventional stage. Yes. Like, take yeah. a conventional musical and put mm-hmm. it, do it conventionally. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and so if, but if we are going to pick a, something that people really know well, then we're going to do something really weird mm-hmm. with it. Uh, like, even taking Sweeney Todd. I mean, we, mm-hmm. let's look at Into the Woods, for example. And yeah. Now that's a different story. We did it in concert, but yeah. we did it using children in a mm-hmm. way that aren't normally used in that show. And yeah. and in concert was even sort of a loose way of because it wasn't it was on the verge of being totally staged. So let's yeah you know, on uh, the verge. Yeah. So I mean, nobody changed costumes. Yeah. Except for which, and there were no no real like sets for real. Not in the traditional sense. Put it that way. One tree um, trunk. <laughs> good yeah. good pitch. Good spin. I regret to say it wasn't successful, but we are going on. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that when it comes to the philosophy of what Talk Street Theater is going to do as far as like the, the type of programming, mm-hmm. we do align very much and I think it does attract mm-hmm. people. And I love the idea or the notion of providing people opportunities to play roles that they wouldn't necessarily be considered for or, mm-hmm. or yet. That's yeah. how I ended up playing Sweeney or even doing every brilliant thing. Like I'd never yeah. done a one-person play before and it scared me to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's just like, it's fine, and I'm really grateful for that. But it is just I, I again touched on before is that when we when it comes to actually putting on a production, mm-hmm. I believe Caddy and I are coming from two different opposite ends, and sometimes we may swing too far in our own direction of what mm-hmm. we find important about producing, like just the different aspects of producing. Right. You know? but I think that what works well about that is that when like if two things are swinging so far out then we might come together and meet in the middle in a way that is going to be beneficial to everyone i mean i mean as it's always shown in many great collaborations partnerships the best ones are when you have two people coming from a yin and yang angle and then it's the and then it's the mix in the middle because that's usually where the best is found is in that middle ground versus swinging one direction entirely and missing something completely because you're not even looking that way so having two sets of eyes viewing the project from two different angles allows every base to be covered, which is a really great thing that I think more companies, more businesses need to do, which is making sure that all, make sure you have eyes on all things and that there is an open discussion and an open viewing 
that you can have that dialogue because there's a lot of companies that won't do that. Right. And it's just mm-hmm. and the way I see it, too. Like I read something great the other day by Mark Manson, mm-hmm. who wrote the, uh, the book Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I'm going to totally paraphrase what he said. But basically, the idea is that if two people always got along, then there's then it's kind of boring because mm-hmm. uh, then there's nothing to resolve. There's no yes. there's no problem to then have a solution for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where why I mean, Arcadia and I fundamentally get along completely swimmingly. Yeah. But when it comes to certain things, we will totally like butt heads. But then usually what that what the result is that mm-hmm. we are then forced to really look at the other person's point of view to then find mm-hmm. out, okay, or maybe then you question your own your own beliefs about a certain thing. And right. that's important. You you should always be questioning what you mm-hmm. believe is, or else you'll never grow. Sorry, Arcadi. Right. But you'll never yeah. grow. Never, uh, People can grow, not organizations. Yeah. People can grow. Because so, <laughs> it's not yeah. more expensive for me that you grew. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> Whereas if we, if he and I were completely like-minded about everything, then mm-hmm. we probably would, the result would probably be more pl- problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And I do absolutely. think that if I may just add quickly mm-hmm. that I think ultimately we may be seeing the different things, but we're looking in the same direction. And I think exactly. it's really important to remember that we're actually mm-hmm. both want the same I- identical thing. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, there is, I respect this person tremendously mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for all sorts of things. And it's, I know it's the opposite. So it's, you know, I, underneath all this, there is a deep sort of, um, you know, as you're running after each other with a frying Frank and to hit them on the head. We also know that we'll make each other look good. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And so, Michael, you mentioned that beautiful bookcase behind you of all types of plays and material back there. Yeah. Do you have any specific show that you could preview for us that you'd really would like to do or a bigger project that you've been gestating on for years that you want to put out into the ether of let me create? That type of thing? Or are you allowed to give any of those secrets away yet? Well, no. Like we've got. I mean, it's. I don't want to like spill anything for sure. When until ink is signed on things, right. you know, there's stuff coming up that like I'm really. I'm not going to call it old favorites after right. I just finished telling you we're not going to do something in a normal way. But there's also the idea that there are certain like when we did Floyd Collins, for example, yes. we did that in a traditional way, but we did it. I mean, I didn't program it. It was my first show with Talk is Free Theater. So it's right. far be for me to say what the impetus behind it was. But like, it was definitely a show that was maybe not as, you know, it was not a huge thing that people all leapt on and loved because it's the, it's written by Adam Gettle, who writes some very beautiful, but very sometimes hard to stomach music. Right. I say stomach just not because it's actually nauseating, but it's because it's just, it's not just like Sondheim, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. And so I would love to, in addition to doing things in a non-traditional way, Arcadia likes to talk about bringing in forgotten classics or yes. under underserved pieces. And mm-hmm. but then there's also the odd time that I will bring in a show that is specifically because there's one person within our family, shall we say, who mm-hmm. uh, I would love to really give the opportunity to play a certain part. And so right. there's one show like that's coming up. I've also wanted to always bring my love of Halloween into our mm. holds a little bit. So we have something yep. that's coming up that's going to help serve that craving. And that's, oh, and also some pretty important stuff that's coming in. Listening to some of our artists, big people who've got some really interesting ideas on how to rework some very popular, a very popular music by another very popular musical theater composer. Layer on top of it, a very meaningful 
mm-hmm. second story that is unexpected but yet poignant. Well, color me excited. I am very intrigued. I cannot wait to send the audience to view these upcoming pieces. Mm-hmm. But let's drill down a bit further on this because we've talked about you just played Sweeney. You directed Into the Woods in concert. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, I mean, I mean, with the passing of dear Mr. Sondheim, and obviously you have a great affinity for his canon because you've done two pieces already. Mm-hmm. What other Sondheim works would you like to either direct or at least program for a future <laughs> TIFF, for, for, for a future TIFF season? Even if it's like, I don't quite know what my vision for it would be yet, but I'd love to see somebody within the TIFF family take on this particular piece. Well, so we've recently done Sweeney, of course. We've done yes. Into the Woods. We've done mm-hmm. a little while back. We had such, I wasn't around at the time, but with such accolades for Assassins, which was done, yep. which was great. Sunday um, in the Park. With Sunday Linus. in the Park, of course, yes. And then now the thing is that, and some, what am I thinking of right now? Merrily We Roll Along is being done several times around. So I feel like yep. they can have that. Speaking of Glynis, you just mentioned her. About 12 years ago, I was I got to do Side by Side by Sondheim with Glynis and a couple mm. of other people at uh, Grand in London. Okay. And yeah. I got to sing the song I Remember from Evening Primrose, oh. which is a lesser known. It's not a musical. Well, it's a musical, but it was never on. can't say it was never on stage. It was originally created in the 60s as, to be a one-shot television special. Right. And it was starring Anthony Perkins, who was a your viewers may know was from Psycho and yes. also do not remember her the actress's name actor's name who played Liesel in the film of oh Charmaine Carr correct it was the two of them and so Evening Prim the song I remember is actually sung by Charmaine Carr's character I believe mm-hmm. but I got to sing it and it was it's such a simple it's one of those haunting simple ones that like yeah. it's so simple and it's purity about it but it was so beautiful mm-hmm. and i don't know if anybody knows like the story of evening primrose it's basically about a guy who goes and hides in the department store right to try and hide away from something i don't remember what he's a poet and uh, yes. and then he finds out that a whole bunch of other people have been doing exactly the same thing mm-hmm. but then there are murders and it's really weird so since we in our earlier years at august free theater i've spent a lot of time rehearsing in empty stores in shopping malls yes i think that we should be doing evening primrose in at the bayfield mall in barry love <laughs> in it after hours as a site brilliant i would uh, love that I've, count me I, in i've not thought this through very hard yet though I can see our caddy's brain already spinning. Thinking about how can I get Bayfield Mall to sponsor this production? So, no, that's brilliant. I love that. Evening Primrose. That is like definitely one of the song times that nobody remembers, but is brilliant. I, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I, so glad you brought that one up. I even forgot about that one. Like I read right. about it, but never listened to it. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'll be honest. I have never listened to it myself either. But okay. but from what I understand and can glean from the little bit of research I've done is that it's actually pretty good. And and it's it's certainly worth a, look. a little bit of exploration just to see. Love that. Well, count me in. I am ready to go venture into the department stores late at night to see this production. I'll be first in line. Amazing. Love it. Okay. Final question of the day, which is, Michael, what has been the best advice regarding show programming that our caddy has given you? Because he, he spends out a lot of unique wisdoms. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a question that I'd have to, like, I, there's a lot of advice. Mm-hmm. And there's, but so I can't really pinpoint one, like, that might be the best. Because mm-hmm. it would change on the day. But yep. one recent piece that he gave, and I wrote it down, 
is in the name of who are you doing this? Mm. And even though this was specific to one person in particular and the discussions surrounding their project, it is really great. I mean, it's quite simple. It doesn't need much explanation, but you really, it does make you like you're forced to return to what your guiding principle is of why, uh, of what it is that you're doing that for. Are you mm-hmm. doing it for yourself? Like just programming something because I want to start in a play or right. is it because are you really doing it to reach out to a specific audience? Mm-hmm. Are you really doing it so you can give somebody else an opportunity to do it? Mm-hmm. Or is this really speaking about the voice of, what this theater company really believes in. And so it's an important question to ask whenever you really think about what it is that you're doing this for. I love that. And that's a question more people should be asking when they start programming things. Mm-hmm. It's who, who are, like, who is this project for? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean it. And I didn't mean it like, is it for children under 18? And that's sort of like mm-hmm. a marketing thing. That's not what I'm saying. And ultimately I'm also going to say that the first audience, I think, for the for art is the artist themselves. Like if mm-hmm. Michael doesn't imagine himself in the front row, mm-hmm. it's never going to be of any meaning to anybody else. So mm-hmm. it does have to be for ourselves first and foremost, whoever is doing it. But for whom is it? Like yes, you have you ultimately you have to be satisfied that you're not wasting your time, hundred percent. But then it cannot all be about your grievances with life. Right. Right. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that. And on that note, because I know you both are very busy individuals who have many meetings and many people to to speak with. We will wrap it up here, but I definitely would love to have you both back and do a deeper deep dive into theater business, song time, mm-hmm. music man, if you want to do a deep discussion on that piece. There's a lot to say. So, so I definitely would love to have you both back, but I know you both are very busy. So we'll leave it here for today. But once the new season is up and running, we'll definitely have to reconvene and have another breakdown discussion about about the new season, new programming. Season 21. Can't Mm -hmm. believe we're already up to 21. Hard to believe after all these years. 21 seasons. Very few theater companies in Canada can say they made it up to 21 seasons. So bravo to Takis Free for that. Cheers to Uh, that. Cheers to that indeed. Before we go, though, we'll let you both plug the socials. Arcadi, if people want to find and follow you and pick your brain for wisdoms, where can they do that? Where can they gossip with you? <laughs> you have to go to his porch. That's the only social he's got. <laughs> oh my God. So I had, I'm, I'm in the middle of a cute tragedy here because I had a vole, I mm-hmm. still do, who I think has a wife. We nickname after the person we absolutely love, which I don't want to go here. Yes, but then I had a frog that we also named after somebody we kind of know and love. <laughs> and yesterday I returned after a weekend away, and half a frog was eaten by somebody. So, oh my goodness! Just a half a frog is standing there, like exactly half a frog. I'm like, well, I want to know what the other half is. My porch is suffered a devastating blow, but I'm on email. Our all of our contacts are on email mm-hmm. on the website. Mm-hmm. And I guess I have a Facebook, but I don't do anything else. I don't know how to do it. Instagram <laughs> and uh, that nonsense. So just email me. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We'll definitely post the link to, to, to the contact page on the website down in the video description for people to, to view and mm-hmm. find you. And Michael, where can people find and follow you and stay up to date on all um, the new things you're programming? Well, Talkers Free Theater has our own. Oh, I don't even know the handle for Talkers Free Theater. We're gonna put. You're gonna put that on there. Right? I'm gonna put it down below. Don't right. worry. It'll, it'll, it'll um, be down below. And my own Instagram is just my last name, Toronto with the W on the end. Right. And I don't really use Twitter. Um, yeah, me neither. 
And we have like, t- t- we also have a Twitter account. We do post on there periodically, mm-hmm. but we're not. So Thomas Free Theater is not an active Twitter user, I gotta say. Well, There's- I mean, once the new season is up and running, then we definitely can do some of those artist takeover Twitter days and just have them tweet about all the fun stuff they're doing. Yes. The organization. Yes. I love that. I love that. Well, we cannot wait for that. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share the video. Follow us at Cup of Hemlock. We have now just surpassed our 100th episode. So be sure to check out all the great content there. We had testimonials. We did a special roundtable discussion all about our uh, all about our journey from COVID to now and just kind of weathering that storm and finding our niche within that time period. Lots of fun there. So be sure to check all that good stuff out. And until next time, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. Michael, Arcadi, thank you both so much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to speak with me. And we will see you all in our next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.